I'm very excited to have our speaker with us this morning. This is my friend, Rachel McAllister. Come on, give her a hand. So Rachel is, yeah, she is my friend. And we, um, we, she was my first life group leader. Well, well, Rachel and Nick were my life group leaders at church, and we just became great friends, and we have shared some wonderful chats, and um, I love her heart. She has an incredible heart and a great sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, and I'm excited for what she has to share. Um, I would say this, too, that Rachel is the director of the Children's Ministry, no, Ministry, what's your title? Good question. Okay, (laughs) Director of Children, Preaching, and Family Ministries. Okay, there we go. So this is a lady that you want to get to know. Um, And she has an incredible heart for you and a heart for children's ministry. And and plug, plug, she's hanging out with us for lunch. So if you want to sit and chat over lunch, please come and bombard her with questions and stuff. So bless you, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you. I should also add that Kim brought the best snacks over to our house. So, so you want Kim in your life group, you guys? Don't you agree, Nick? Okay. Best snacks. Yeah. Um, that's right. So my name is Rachel McAllister, and I'm so excited to be with you guys today. Um, I see a lot of familiar faces. Um, lots of you that were at Spark um, or leading worship at Spark um, or, yeah, just... I've. Lots of familiar faces, so it's good to see you. If I don't know your name already, would love to get to know you better. Would love to learn your name. And so, yeah, come hang out with us at lunchtime. Um, But yes, excited to be with you today and really uh, thankful, Kim and Gavin, who's sick, (laughs) for the opportunity to, to be here and share my heart with you. So I thought it might be helpful before we really get into it, you know, establish a connection, kind of, we want to feel like family here. So I thought I would let you in on a few of, um, you know, secrets about me. So, well, not really secrets, but anyway. So a little bit about me. I grew up in Ontario. Um, yeah, any, wow, so many Ontarians. Slowly, we all move out here. <laughs> it's just the way that it is. Um, and moved out west about five and a half years ago. I'm married to this stud, Nick McAllister. Woo! Um, and <laughs> He's a worship pastor at our church um, in Fort Langley, uh, Living Waters Church. And Nick and I love to lead worship together. We actually met making music together, which is a cheesy story for another time. So if I do okay to, again today, then maybe Kim will invite me to come and share our, our cheesy story <laughs> together. <laughs> just, just kidding. Um, yeah, a story for another time. Uh, but I believe in the power of a good cup of black tea with a generous splash of milk. Anybody else? Oh, good. Okay. Because I know that everyone loves above average coffee, but I mean, I a good cup of black tea, I feel like it solves a lot of problems. Um, I love to be outside uh, and anything to do with the water. So I'm a water girl or ocean girl, like any, anything really. I'm a water girl through and through. I'm also a camp girl. Did anybody grow up going to camp? Yes, I love camp. I uh, grew up going to camp, serving at camp as a teenager um, and into my early 20s. Uh, and it was at camp at a leaders in training program. We call that, I don't know if there are LIT programs out West, but that's okay. That's what we called it there. <laughs> um, I was 15 and I went from knowing about Jesus to knowing Jesus at, um, LIT, um, in Ontario. And my world was rocked as my LIT leaders kind of walked me through the Bible in a way that I had never experienced before. Um, so you talk about like old covenant and new covenant. I'd grown up hearing those, um, 
I'd grown up hearing those phrases, but having no understanding of what that really meant. Um, And so, yeah, and what that meant in terms of my relationship with Jesus. So I'll forever be grateful for those leaders who poured into my life um, and taught me things that ranged from biblical discipleship um, to how to scrub a toilet, how to deal with conflict, how to take care of kids, how to effectively pull off a prank, um, and how to and what it means to live life on mission as we go about um, interacting with, living with, influencing the next generation for Christ. So that summer at 15 years of age was a really pivotal point for me uh, in many ways and shaped how I think about the next generation. I went on to uh, study English, music, and education in university. I was one of those crazy kids, had my foot in like every basket um, there, or uh, and taught um, and taught at school. Taught grade one for a few years, uh, and during my time teaching, uh, the Lord began to speak to my heart about ministry. Um, and as Nick and I spent time listening and discerning, uh, we felt the Lord. Um, lead us and ask us to step into a new season of vocational ministry. Um, And so currently, as we said before, I am uh, working for or serving as the Children, Preteen, and Family Ministries Director for PAOC Churches in BC and the Yukon. And my heart is for our next generation to encounter the living God, uh, be transformed by his love from the inside out, and live empowered kingdom lives. So that's, if I had to sum it up in a sentence, I think that would be it. Um, So as I've been prepping, as I've been thinking about and praying about, Lord, what would you have me to say? What would you have me say um, to these summit students? What would you have me talk about? And I asked him for a word, a word that would shape our time together. Uh, And as I continued to pray, I just felt the word kind of zeal come up for me. Uh, And as I continued to reflect and pray, my thoughts became more clear. Um, So the question that's going to guide our time together, uh, will come up shortly, um, is how do we develop an inner zeal for the realities of serving in Christian ministry? I just felt like this was an important thing to talk about because I think sometimes we step into ministry and we have these really ideal, we have these ideas about what it's going to look like. We think that it's going to be really shiny. And we think that it's going to involve a lot of bright lights and accolades that you kind of quietly dream about but don't want to say because humility, right? So, (laughs) um, but I thought that it was um, important to talk about about this. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to read... our, our passage of scripture together. So Jesus, I thank you that you're here. I thank you for your love. I thank you that your love, being rooted in your love is everything, Lord. That's where we need to find ourselves. And so today we invite you in here. We know that you are here, but I pray that your love would be the launching pad of our, our time together. Um, and that as we uh, move on into the different seasons um, of our life and um, finishing up with school, moving on in the summer, God, I pray that your love would be an anchoring point for us um, as, as we go about as we go about our days. And so Jesus, as I speak, I just pray that it would be your words that flow through my lips, God, that it wouldn't be about me, but that it would be all about you and that the message that you have placed on my heart, that it would come through loud and clear. So we just give you this time together, Lord, and thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. So I know that you've been moving through First John, and that's we're gonna, uh, where we're going to pick up today. And um, so Kim mentioned Worship Central. How many of you guys were there this, this weekend? 
Yes, it was so good. Um, and Gerald Johnson was preaching um, in the morning for one of our sessions. And oh my goodness, when he preaches, I just, I just cry. It was, anyway, all my makeup was off my face. But he, um, I was reminded that, you know, when we read the word of God, it is, I think it's important to stand up. So I'm going to invite you to stand up as we um, read this passage of scripture together. And it'll be on the screen as well. So 1 John four thirteen to 16. Hopefully you don't need your bifocals to read this. Um, and God, and you can read it with me. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. May God bless the reading of his word. You guys can have a seat. So I think these verses give us a great framework through which we can look at the term zeal. And more specifically, what it means to leverage zeal as we uh, think about the realities of life and ministry and serving in those contexts. So zeal is defined as a great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or objective. The zeal that's required for us, for life in ministry, I think often comes in a great burst in the beginning. Um, and, you know, you feel very passionate and um, at, the, at the beginning, it's a, a spark. Um, but I don't actually believe that that kind of zeal, that, that initial flicker or spark is enough to sustain us through um, through ministry for longevity's sake. Um, and I actually believe that zeal is something that we need to feed or a muscle that we need to work out. And I believe that a large portion of that comes out of consistency in our spiritual disciplines and practices. So I mentioned that I moved to BC five and a half years ago. It was a leap of faith for me because uh, everything that I knew was in Ontario. Um, my friends, my family, community, um, job opportunities, um, you name it, like they were there. And so I knew God was calling me, but I was a little nervous about what that that meant. And I had no idea what life would look like as I took that faith step. And I have to say that, you know what, God has been and continues to be so kind and so faithful. Um, from the minute that my plane touched the ground five and a half years ago, I saw God come through in ways that I only quietly dreamt about, but never actually said out loud. Um, it doesn't mean though that this comes without sacrifice. Um, and so one of the ways that I feel this very deeply is with um, two of my best friends. And so Nick and I have been, uh, we have this line that we've been saying recently where you don't make old friends quickly. And I have, I've felt that um, here. And it's not that we don't have a great community or, um, or a circle of friends that, that we have here. Um, but I would say that it doesn't, it takes time to build those kinds of relationships, you know? So anyway, uh, two of my very best friends, Katrina and Andy or Andrea are living in Toronto in the greater Toronto area. Uh, Katrina is married to Trevor and they are expecting their first baby. I should have, I should have put a picture up, but I, I didn't. Uh, and, uh, that baby is due in six days. They are going to be amazing parents and I'm so excited for them, but it definitely stings that I haven't been able to be a part of the journey as Katrina's walked through pregnancy for the first time and that, you know, I won't be an auntie that gets to live really close by to this uh, little baby boy when he arrives. 
Uh, but one of the things that Katrina's had to do over the course of her pregnancy is take a prenatal vitamin. So just bear with me here because I know that this isn't prenatal vitamins. Why is Rachel talking about that? Well, doctors recommend even before you know you're expecting to take this prenatal vitamin several months before you want to get pregnant. And the reason why is to build up your vitamin stores so that when you have that little being growing inside of you, your body and that baby um, have access to the vitamin stores that you've built up so that you can be thriving and flourishing. And I think zeal and resilience work in the same fashion. And we need to understand how we can um, strengthen ourselves, nourish ourselves through spiritual disciplines in order to be the spiritually fit followers of Christ that God has called us to be. We need to build up our vitamin stores. That's where I was going with the the prenatal vitamins. Okay. Um, so verse 13 of 1 John 4 says, God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. God abides in the one who abides in Jesus. It is not about doing more in terms of spiritual disciplines or achieving for perfection's sake. It has always been and will be about relationship, that grounding in that place of love, right? Abiding. Um, What I love about the term abiding is that it is defined as continuing without fading or being lost. (laughs) I think that the definition is so appropriate when we consider the kind of zeal that will sustain us over the long haul. Our spiritual uh, disciplines should always point back to relationship with Jesus. We do not work out of a place of shame. We work out of a place of love. And you know what? Sometimes I think that love does look like showing up even when we don't feel like it. Uh, But in the middle of it, you're faithfully choosing relationship with Jesus, putting one foot in front of the other. Uh, So two of the questions that I would love for you to consider today, uh, and they'll show up on the screen as well. Oh, they are. Thanks, guys. Um, Are What are ways in which we can abide through spiritual disciplines? So are we simply going through the motions as we think about spiritual disciplines? It should always point back to relationship with Jesus. And in what ways are we currently abiding through spiritual disciplines? And one of the reasons that this actually... It grabs me and it makes me want to grab my journal and and write about it because I think over the past little while I have um, started spiritual disciplines for spiritual discipline's sake and not actually for furthering my relationship with Jesus. Like that's the goal. But then I realize, oh, I've created all of these things to do that I actually can't keep up with them. So I just want you to reflect on that. Maybe write it down. You can journal about it later. Um, But in what ways are we currently abiding through spiritual disciplines? I believe that we're all always on an ongoing journey of preparing ourselves for ministry. I don't think that there's ever a moment where we have arrived um, or that we, that we arrive in this place where we do have enough vitamin stores to sustain us during um, the duration of uh, life in ministry. And so I think that developing the muscle of consistency or faithfulness is key. Abiding and faithfulness walk hand in hand. And one of the ways that we can abide is through the strengthening of our minds. So, strengthening of the mind. You guys are Bible college students. You know that there are several kinds of spiritual disciplines that range from prayer to study to fasting, worship, uh, meditation, journaling, confession, and on and on it goes. And I think that sometimes we fail to remember the weightiness of the tool that is our mind and what it means to develop it for the cause of Christ. So I'd love to share a story with you that is a little bit vulnerable for me, um, but speaks to the point of needing to consistently strengthen and develop our minds um, as a tool and to surrender under the lordship of Jesus. So in one of the schools that I worked at as a teacher, 
I worked with some really great staff. I had met friends uh, who, you know, that they became very dear friends, and we were able to journey together through some high highs um, and some very low lows. Um, and as in any institution, there were some uh, strange organizational quirks. And at the time, these were made more plain because our school was going through um, some growing pains. Um, and basically, in the middle of these growing pains, if I'm totally honest, it became a very political, toxic environment to work in. Major decisions that directly affected me um, were mandated because so-and-so didn't want to offend a family member that worked, um, that they happened to know outside of the school. Things that range from being that petty um, to much more intense. So children not receiving um, adequate uh, care and support that they needed um, to sitting through verbally abusive meetings. Um, and the worst part of this was that it was done in the name of Jesus. This was a Christian school, and I was furious. I was really sad as well. I would cry on my drive home and I felt so heavy all the time. Like how could people who say that they love Jesus act the way that they acted and say the things that they said? Um, things came to a head for me during one particularly hard um, situation that involved one of our leaders. I won't get into, this, uh, into the specifics, but it involved lying and manipulation and denial about whether what was happening in front of me, whether it was actually happening at all. I kept trying to arrange meetings with one of our um, with one of our other leaders to no avail to walk through a conflict uh, resolution process, and this went on for months and months. I probably wasn't a great person to live with during that time. Nick is shaking his head. Sometimes you just have to lie to me. <laughs> like I was a great person to live with. No, 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 I wasn't for real. <laughs> okay, um, I was tired of trying to do the right thing, and my mind felt like it was moving at the speed of light, always going down these rabbit holes in my thinking about this person, and always feeling angry with them, like this thing was hanging over my head. I'd wake up in the morning and I would try to do my devotions before leaving for work and I would think about this person um, and think like, how can you call yourself a Christian? How can you be so unaware? I'd go from my breakfast to the bathroom, brushing my teeth, getting ready for the day, trying to think of something else, anything else really, um, and totally failing. It was really, really hard. I'm also a feisty South Asian girl with a justice meter, so that it didn't help, okay? Like, yeah, like, um, ministry in this context was not at all shiny. Like, there, there weren't any bright lights. There was nothing, shiny is the best word that I can come up with. It wasn't, like, wrapped up perfectly like a present that you, you, you kind of wish that it would be, but it totally wasn't. And so I remember one weekend just being totally beside myself um, and listening to the song Mercy by Amanda Cook. Um, and in one of those spontaneous moments of the song, she sings about how God is the righteous judge and how he loves mercy and how he sits on the mercy seat. And she goes on to share one of her conversations with the Lord. And I'm just going to um, read it to you. Um, she exhorts the uh, congregation in telling them about her conversation with Jesus. And I'm just going to read it for you. So this is what she says. So often when we talk about the mercy of God, we add a yeah, but. So in my context, yeah, but God your mercy. This person has been horrible to me. Do you see what this person has done? It's totally unfair. I don't agree with it. Yeah, but God. And so she goes on to say, but here's the thing. You cannot exaggerate the nature of God. You cannot exaggerate the love of God or the goodness or kindness of God. You can't. We exist because of it. We are alive because of it. So I'm placing my bet on singing about the nature of God and letting the chips fall where they may, because every time God shows up and the kindness of God is what leads people to repentance.
He never steps out of love to accomplish anything. When he who is the righteous judge extends mercy, are you, are we willing to say, yes, God? So let's agree with heaven tonight. Agree with his heart tonight. Let's sing this song over people, situations, and families where all you can see is judgment. I want you to activate the mercy that you carry because you have been touched by it, because it led you to Jesus. We're going to release it over people. We're going to take our rightful place and, as sons and daughters and agree with our father. Well, I mean, like this wrecked me. Um, the Lord really spoke to my heart and gently convicted me of my own inner behavior. On my ability to look at the situation I was experiencing where all I could see was judgment. I'm not the righteous judge. That's not my job. I got on my hands and knees sobbing and asked the Lord to change my heart to help me to forgive this person at work and to activate mercy in my heart. And to be honest, I really did want to add a yeah, but. I think we, <laughs> I mean, you know, we are all special, but I think sometimes we think that we are way more special than, <laughs> than others. Yeah, God, but my situation is so different. This person is horrible. <laughs> um, and yeah, to be honest, I didn't, the Lord didn't magically make those feelings go away, but I did learn the importance of being grounded in my faith, not through feeling, but through the strengthening of my mind. And hear me out. I'm not saying that your feelings are not valid or important because they are, but I am saying that your faith in God is not one dimensional. He is holistic and we are made in his image. Our relationship with Jesus is body, mind, and spirit intertwined. It is every part of us. And as I went through this journey of strengthening my mind, sometimes it was every hour and honestly, sometimes it was every few minutes that I had to remind myself of the truth of God's word. God is the righteous judge. He is the one who can save and destroy. Who am I to rule out judgments? Who am I to judge my neighbor? God's heart is good and kind. He is for his people. God, would you shape my heart to be for your people, even when it hurts, even when I feel like there's an injustice against me? So how do we go about strengthening our mind for the realities of life and ministry? What we do and how we respond in these sensitive places is the fertile ground for zeal to grow and flourish as we purpose to abide with and in the Spirit. And I'm just going to say that again. Um, what we do and how we respond in these sensitive places is the fertile ground for zeal to grow and flourish as we purpose to abide in and with the Spirit. So here are four things that have worked for me. One, memorize scripture and ask the Holy Spirit to keep you anchored in the truth of God's word. And when those trying times come, watch and see how the Holy Spirit brings it back to you. Like God, I know in your word that in Philippians 2, it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth that you are God, that you are God to the glory of God, the father, that every knee will bow. I just keep going over this in my head sometimes because I'm like at the name of Jesus, if every knee and knee shall bow and tongue confess on heaven and on earth and under the earth, when I... I am in times where I have no words and I'm saying the name of Jesus. I'm believing that God is taking care of it for me. That, that, that's all I need. I have no other words to pray but Jesus in that situation. So consistently developing this habit is going to reap dividends in your life. It's going to strengthen your mind and heart and your faith backbone. So then pray it over people. Pray it over yourself. Uh, ask God to keep you teachable and malleable. Pray God's best over others. This shifts your attitude toward them. So I remember a few years ago, um, 
there was a there was a situation that was happening in our lives and I was feeling a little angsty about <laughs> about some friends in our lives and I like couldn't snap out of it quickly and Nick said like Rachel why don't you start praying for them I'm like Nick like when your spouse tells you to pray for people and you know that he's right but you don't really want to do it um I'm like I don't want to pray for them <laughs> um but I was convicted, um, as you know, the Lord often speaks through your spouse. And I started to pray for these people. And I started praying health over our relationship. And I started praying God's best over them. Um, And I can't tell you guys how that shifted the way that I thought about them in my mind and in my heart. Our relationship went 180 degrees um, for the better. (laughs) So speak the promises of God over your life and do it loud and proud. You know, from the time that many of us were kids, we've been hearing Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, right? So I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Yes, Lord, I believe that. I trust that I'm going to see you come through for me, that you're going to guide me with your eye, that you're going to lead me along the best path for, for my life. Um, so declare those promises loud and proud. And then don't go it alone. So I don't mean that you should share with just everybody um, because it's not supposed to be a gossip fest and it can go there really easily if you're not careful. But I do, I would encourage you to share with a trusted mentor or friend. This was really huge for me as I was walking through my situation at at the school. And then play. You might think, hey, like, why are you talking about playing, Rachel? First prenatal vitamins and now playing. It doesn't make sense. Um, but you need to take the time to do what fills you up and gives you life outside of work. This is super hard for me, and I will be the first one to admit that I'm a work in progress. You become more productive, more all-rounded, more nourished because of it. Take time to be a kid. If you don't know how to do that, and I'm trying to figure it out as well, then ask Jesus to show you. Someone said to me recently that play and spirituality do not have to be mutually exclusive. And that is the, the latest thing that has been convicting me. Um, and so I would encourage you to get on your knees. Ask Jesus if you have forgot what it means to become a kid. Ask him for that childlike faith and ask, um, ask him to help you tap into that. And so finally, God abides in the one who abides in Jesus. God in you is great. And as you live in him and he lives in you, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you. He's going to give you inklings and let you know when your thoughts start going in a direction that that does not say yes to the heart of the Father. And as you purpose to walk with him, he's going to honor you. So Nick and I, I I keep bringing it back to stories because story is a big deal for me. I feel that I uh, learn best when um, people tell stories. And so that's why I keep coming back to to our life and our stories. Uh, But recently we were walking through a crisis, a trauma, um, where the Holy Spirit brought back scriptures to mind. And so another tidbit, another fact is that Nick and I are currently personal training right now with with one of our good friends. And it's awesome because it totally kicks our butt. Um, and so I, and she asks us, okay, you need to send me um, four sweaty selfies at least in a week. It's really not flattering at all. But anyway, so I'm like, I know she's going to ask us for this. I better work out. We're walking through this this um, crisis and I'm like sitting there doing my lunges and I'm, I'm crying. I'm like, not in a great space. And um, yeah, while I'm working out, (laughs) really, really attractive. Um, But 
in those moments, like all I could think of, my mind was elsewhere with this crisis that we were dealing with. And Holy Spirit kept bringing scripture back to mind that I had memorized when I was a kid. Like I hadn't read it in my Bible that morning. And from Psalm 91, where he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and strength. My God in whom I trust. It just played over and over like a movie as I was, you know, doing my lunges. <laughs> um, Yeah, and those moments, I think, become markers in your life where out of your time in the secret place, going through those spiritual disciplines, um, being with the Holy Spirit, when you come into times of crisis and and trauma, it comes back to you. Um, Yeah, those moments become markers in your life where you see how the discipline of working your faith out in the secret place sustains you and how it helps to develop a more holistic kind of zeal. Zeal that can withstand how you feel on a given day, that can carry you through the varying seasons of life and ministry that you are bound to experience. All right, living missionally. Verse 14 of uh, 1 John 4 says, Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be Savior of the world. God sent his Son to be Savior of the world. We are invited to partner with the living God to make Christ known in our world. So what does this look like? Something that Nick and I have been reflecting on uh, lately is, you know, what does it mean to live outside of the bubble? We both serve in uh, ministry roles, and that means that most of our time is spent with people who already know and love Jesus. And what I love about this verse is that after John speaks to the fact that God abides in the one who abides in Jesus, he speaks to the fact that we have witnessed that God sent his son to be savior of the world. (laughs) As As we are invited to join Christ's mission, we too are meant to share Jesus to the world around us. So how are we going to join in this mission? You know, I really believe that a natural byproduct of abiding in God is becoming more like him. And I think that that is beautiful. The more we spend time with our heavenly father, the more we share his heart for the world and for the people around us. So innately, the more that we abide in God, the more missionally we should be living, right? I have been convicted though, that perhaps we use this concept of as a crutch, even if it's true. There's an action component that follows abiding in God. God abided in the wholeness of himself in the beginning, but he still chose to send his son to be the savior of the world. Send. That's a verb. It's not a subject. We abide in God, and we have the privilege of doing something about it. Where are we being sent to in our communities? Who is God calling us to? It doesn't have to be overseas missions, but it surely is something. So let's ask Jesus about what that is. How can, we, how can we practice using these muscles? So one of the pastors at our church, his name is Reuben, and he and his wife, Lisa, uh, live in Fort Langley, which is where our church is, and they really believe in um, living in the community uh, that they are ministering in. Um, and so one of the things that Reuben does to be really intentional about um, living in Fort Langley is getting to know the local businesses and the local business owners. And then he invites them over to his house. He gets to know them. Their kids know um, a lot of the local business owners, a lot of the coffee shops. There are lots of coffee shops right in Fort Langley. Uh, And it's really beautiful because he's fostered intentional relationship outside of the bubble. Uh, Something that I really appreciate that Nick does is that he is a part of a local um, tennis league. 
and Langley, where we live. And he's on display there. So if he loses a match and he's frustrated, people are watching him. They know he's a pastor. He's got to respond well. (laughs) And so I just love that that he has been able to intentionally make relationships uh, with people that are outside of the bubble. Um, And then Abby, your mom emailed me, but we were emailing before you guys uh, moved out here. And something that was really beautiful was I said, Jenny, how can I pray for you as you guys are making this transition? And she didn't say to me, Rachel, pray that this transition is going to be easy. Pray this, that, or the other. She said, Rachel, if you could pray that we sell our house quickly and we're able to find a house in a good community where I can tell my neighbors about Jesus, that'd be great. I mean, like, come on. I want to tell my neighbors about Jesus. That, that's what it's all about. So I would invite you to pray into this and ask the Lord what living missionally means for you. And then as he speaks to you, tell someone. Tell a trusted friend about it. Make a plan and do it even if it's awkward. You have nothing to lose and so much more to gain. So say yes to what, to what and who Jesus is calling you to. Saying yes to Jesus and walking in obedience to him makes for the kind of hearty kingdom zeal that we've been talking about, that we need to sustain us over the course of uh, life and in ministry for the long haul. And I say this because saying yes to Jesus whets our appetite for more of Jesus and more of his heart. When you encounter him and you give him your yes, you are inviting his spirit to change your heart to be more like him. To see as he sees, to hear as he hears, to share his heart for the world, to to position you with his kingdom in mind. Our ability to follow Jesus and say yes to him influences and impacts our ability to influence others. I'll just say that again. (laughs) Our ability to follow Jesus and say yes to him influences and impacts our ability to influence others. Here's what floors me. Abraham's yes to God blessed an entire nation. Not just his family, right? Like his, a nation. As you follow Jesus' voice and step out in courage, not only will that obedience bless your life, it has the power to bring breakthrough and freedom to the lives of those around you. All it takes is one moment of insane courage as we turn our eyes toward Jesus and put one foot in front of the other. All right, letting go. Verse 15 and 16 uh, say, All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. In our confession, we're stating that we're giving up control, that we're handing over the baton, we're letting go, um, and surrendering our own control. When we confess and we decide to plant ourselves in a trust and in a radical love that is so outside of ourselves that we cannot comprehend. A radical love that affects every facet of our being. And if I'm really honest with myself in recent years, this is what I struggle with the most. The giving up of control and saying yes to not understanding the larger picture. And this may be for a few reasons. Maybe every year, with every passing year, your wealth of experience and or baggage grows. Um, And these experiences can range from joy-filled to painful to, to beautiful to hopeful, disappointing, traumatic, exciting, and beyond. Um, For us, our most recent experience was the death of somebody that Nick and I really loved. And that was incredibly painful. And what I'm learning is that there is an element of mystery that I need to surrender to Jesus as I trust that he is God and that I am not, especially when I don't understand. 
I'm not saying that we shouldn't wrestle with the Lord over these kinds of concepts. I think that's actually really important. Um, But I am saying that maybe figuring it all out, maybe that isn't everything. And that my small steps of obedience and your small steps of obedience um, and faithfulness uh, in the middle of pain are the biggest wins that we can bring before a loving father. And when I really think about it, my struggle to trust God is not rooted in a place of tr- uh, in a place of love, in a place of abiding in Jesus and knowing that He abides in me and that He loves me and is for me. What I'm coming up against is the desire to be God of my own life, really, um, and that is rooted in fear. Oswald Chambers writes: To be born of the Spirit of God means that we must let go before we lay hold. In this context, he's talking about relinquishing um, sin as well as a person's whole perspective and way of looking at things in order to be united with Christ. He goes on to write, and the quote is up there on the screen for you visual learners. Um, It is not just a question of giving up sin, but of giving up my natural independence and self-assertiveness. And this is where the battle has to be fought. It is the things that are right and noble and good from the natural standpoint that keep us back from God's best. To discern that natural virtues antagonize surrender to God is to bring our soul into the center of its greatest battle. Very few of us debate with the sordid and evil and wrong, but we do debate with the good. It is the good that hates the best, and the higher up you get in the scale of natural virtues, the more intense is the opposition to Jesus Christ. God loves us, and we need to trust his love. That's basically the bottom line. Um, John writes, we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Doesn't it stand to reason, then, that if God loves us and chooses to make his home in us, that even in the middle of mystery, in the middle of pain, that his best for us is really the best, and that we can place our trust in his radical loving nature? I've also come to realize that we don't need to know what's next. We just need to know who he is. God is love. All who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Romans eight fifteen to 17 in the message reads, This resurrection life you have received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, What's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. So how do we develop an inner zeal, strength, and resilience for the realities of serving in Christian ministry? Do you remember those old school bracelets, a little bit cheesy, but WWJD, frog, forever rely on God, push, pray until something happens. Do you remember those at all? No, I'm too old. Okay. Um, The one that pops into my head as I was writing this um, is let go and let God. It's not about us trying to get it together. It's not. Uh, And to be honest, we can't. So bring your best before God and then let go. What zeal and resilience come down to, what they really come down to, is getting to know his nature. It is in the place of abiding in God and knowing his nature that we are dramatically changed. 
It is in, the, in this place that we adopt his heart for those around us. And it is in this place that kingdom zeal is cultivated, matured, and activated. So if I can encourage you guys in anything, it is to develop those spiritual disciplines in the quiet place. Practice using those muscles to strengthen your mind, body, and spirit. Be a spiritually fit disciple of Jesus who makes Christ known to the world around them. And finally, what is your action step today? Ask the Lord who, what, where is he calling you to? You don't just want to be a spiritually fit disciple of Jesus, but a spiritually fit disciple living out their call in making Christ known. So in a couple of minutes, I'm going to uh, pray some scripture over you guys as a benediction, and then you guys can head off to lunch. But I would love for us to sit in this just for a couple of minutes, um, or maybe a minute, um, and then uh, we'll pray to, to close. So let's just ask the Lord. Yeah, what is your action step today? God, who are you calling me to? What are you calling me to? Where? How can I make Christ known in the places that I find myself? So let's just do that in silence for a minute. Be assured that from the first day we heard of you, we haven't stopped praying for you. Asking God to give you wise minds and spirits attuned to his will, and so acquire a thorough understanding of the ways in which God works. We pray that you'll live well for the master, making him proud of you as you work hard in his orchard. As you learn more and more how God works, you will learn how to do your work. We pray that you'll have the strength to stick it out over the long haul, not the grim strength of gritting your teeth, but the glory strength that God gives. It is strength that endures the unendurable and spills over into joy, thanking the Father who makes us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful that he has for us. Amen.